0: in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen so i must say it's a great honor to be back in st mary's once again st mary's was of course my first assignment as a young priest in 05 i only spent 1 year here but it's it's commonly said or or understood that a, the, the the first assignment for a priest or religious it is it is always his first love there's always a, there's always a special part place in his in his heart for that, that place that received him, that place that had such an important uh, role in forming him and making him who the priest, the, 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 the priest that he is in his subsequent years. I would like to certainly congratulate St. Mary's on the fact that this year she'll be sending three postulants to the brothers novitiate, three young men who are leaving the world in order to pursue a religious vocation I would likewise congratulate them on the three brothers. We can say they're from St. Mary's. Their families live here now, even if maybe they didn't—they uh, didn't go to the academy or what have you. But certain ones um, among the brothers today, maybe maybe taking the habit or making their vows um, today. So so six, uh, six young men who who, who call St. Mary's their home now, who are who are on their way to the novitiate or are already there now. So. We should give thanks to God for that great grace. It is a real grace for a community when one of their members decides to renounce the world, decides to really truly follow God with his whole heart, mind, and soul. We can also, and and I, I can certainly sympathize with Father Rutledge and would ask your prayers, that someday soon that some of these young brothers, these new brothers being formed in Winona, that some of them may soon find St. Mary's as their first assignment and have her also as their first love. Now this week, in reflecting on on what to preach on, I I recalled that in the 13 years since I left St. Mary's, this will only be the third time that I've given a sermon. The first time when I returned, it was a wedding. The second time, it was a funeral. And it occurred to me, in, in reflecting this this week, it occurred to me that this third time has a little bit of the aspects of both. We can see in the, in the brother's profession certain, a certain relation, we might say, to a funeral. And we can likewise certainly see a, a simile or a, a likeness with, with a wedding ceremony. If we consider first the, the aspect of a funeral, we have to reflect on what happens to a man when he dies. To die is to be separated from everything that is familiar, everything that is dear to us, our home, our possessions, our loved ones, and even in a manner of speaking, to be separated even from our own will. I say when we die, we give up our will because when we die, whatever, whatever, whatever state our will is in, when, it, when death finds us, our will remains fixed in that state forever. And it can be a will that is fixed or oriented towards God, or it can be a a will that is fixed away from God, a soul that has turned his back on God. And of course, the will will remain in that state forever, for all eternity. We know this to be true, our faith teaches us. And so we may ask legitimately why it is that so many men fix their heart on the goods and the pleasures of this world when they know that in the end, it's all going to be taken away. We came into this world with nothing, and we will leave it likewise with nothing. And yet, so many men, they fix their souls, they fix their hearts and their minds, they, they expend all their effort in pursuing the things of this world, which in the end are all going to be taken away. We can say the reason for it is because of a, perhaps a, mis, a misapprehension, Every man is hungry, every man longs to be filled. It's, it's said that in, in, the, in, the, in the heart or in every, in, in every person, there's two two empty spots that have to be filled, two voids in, in every man, in every person. One, of course, is, is the stomach. My stomach's empty, it needs to be filled. And we fill it with the food and the drink and the pleasures that come with that. We, we may expand and say, say we call, call it generically that, that hole, that void, Call it our lower appetites. And there's another hole or another void within us, which is our heart. And it, lo- it, it, it too is longing and crying out and, and tugging at us to fill it. And so often, men, men feel that emptiness and they, and they want to fill that void. And yet, instead of turning to God, instead of filling it with the only thing that is really, truly going to fill it and bring it rest, they, they, they turn to the pleasures of the world. They turn, as I mentioned, to food or to drink or to the pleasures that come with drugs or promiscuous activity. And the whole time they are crying out, they are suffering, they are starving, and they are trying to fill a void that they will never fill with the things of this world. What pain is a soul like that going to suffer when death comes and they are violently and irrevocably separated from these goods? For the religious, a choice, a, a choice is made to renounce these things, which, which while good in themselves, I mean, the good things in the world, let's not pretend these are bad, that we shouldn't want them, that we shouldn't like them, that we shouldn't enjoy them, of course, in their proper order. In themselves, they are not bad, but, but they, they can become an obstacle to our love of God. In taking the vow of poverty, the religious is renouncing the goods of this world the money, the possessions, that, that, that so many men make their goal, so many men make their, their end or, or their obsession. And in doing this, his heart then is free to focus on God alone. In taking the vow of chastity, of course, the religious renounces both the, the, the pleasures of the flesh that come with a spouse and, and likewise also a family of his own which again we say are, are not bad things, they're good things in themselves. But in making this voluntary sacrifice, his heart then is freed to focus on God alone. St. Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthians, he said that, that he that, is, that, that has a wife, he that is with a wife, is solicitous for the things of this world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. It's always a danger. And lastly, then, in taking the vow of obedience, the religious renounces what is really and truly the greatest obstacle to anyone's salvation. He renounces his own will. And this vow certainly is, is the hardest. Because in the vow of obedience, he isn't, he isn't rejecting or giving up things outside of him, the possessions or the loves that, or a family or whatever, but he's renouncing his own, his own will. He's renouncing his His very self, in a way. And yet that is what our Lord has asked. If you love me, if you love me, then deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. A religious so much wants to love God. A religious so much wants to avoid the temptation to fill his heart with creatures that that he binds himself under the pain of sin through these vows, to make the right use of them, to be detached from them, so that his heart can love God. What power then, we may ask, can the prince of this world have over any good religious who has renounced all of these things that the devil normally used to lay snares for souls? The devil has no power over him. If he truly lives those vows, and it's precisely those three vows of religion Poverty, chastity, obedience. It is these that are, that, are, that are the foundation. When these vows are truly lived, they are the foundation of a deep and abiding joy. A joy that is the foretaste of heaven. A joy that our Lord assured us the world would not take from us. It is effectively already here below to begin eternal life. To already to experience, as we said, the foretaste of heavenly beatitude. Renouncing the things of this world, their hearts are free to love God, free to love the God who created them, the God God who loves them, the God who died for them to redeem them. Possessing this love, they possess then not this or that particular good, but they possess goodness itself. And it is a good, of course, as we said in the beginning, that will never be taken from them. For when they die, there will be, will be fixed where it has been all along, resting in the God whom they have loved and served. It is this great love, then, that gives today's ceremony the aspect of a marriage. A marriage is, the we can say, the external manifestation of, the, of, of, of a love, of the love between two persons, two people. And likewise, this ceremony in it, we see the external manifestation of a love that has been cultivated between these individual souls and Almighty God. God has called them, and the souls before you then have responded and have come to manifest that commitment to their beloved. As a man, when he marries, he says yes to his bride and consequently says no to all others. So these men have said, or will soon say, some of them for the first time, they will say yes to God and they will say no to all other loves. And most especially, most especially, they will say no to the love of self. What is it then that enables a man to take this step? What is it but a real sense of God's greatness? God's goodness and God's love, and, a, and equally a sense of his own nothingness, his own unworthiness. In today's gospel, we, we, we saw that our, that our Lord was asked, who is, who is great in the kingdom of heaven? And of course, he brought this child and stood him in the midst. And he told us that if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must become as little children. Little children... They are just that. They are little. They, they have little. They're happy with little. You know, kids, they, you know, they go outside, they find some sticks, they, they, they entertain themselves for hours. They don't need much. Their you know, little boys are typically not, not so interested in little girls and vice versa. And typically, these, these little ones, they obey. They obey the people bigger than them out of fear for nothing else. What what then, what, what, what do children have but a natural disposition in a sense, in a manner of speaking, this disposition to poverty, to chastity, and to obedience? This is natural to them because they recognize their littleness and are humble. Humility, we can say then, is what will allow a man to make this step. And likewise, we can say it is humility that will keep that man on track. It is an odd twist of providence that the marriage that I preached here those many years ago, it fell around this time of year, around the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. If you want, go back and look in your missal and read today's gospel, not the gospel of the feast that we're celebrating, but of this particular Sunday. And we see in there a parable that our Lord says. He tells, tells the, 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 the Pharisees with whom he's dining. Noticing how they're always seeking the first place, he tells them that that when they are invited to a marriage feast, not to seek the first place, but always take the last. And then when he who has invited you comes and sees you, he will say to us, he will say to you, he will say, Friend, go up higher. And so, dear brothers, allow me to say to you today what I said to that young couple so many years ago. You dear brothers who who are this day invited to a wedding feast, namely your own, in your religious life, always seek the last place. Do not seek self. Live these vows and know that if you do that, if you constantly put yourself in the last place, if you constantly humble yourself before God, then our Lord will see that and he will tell you to go up higher. And with an abundance of grace, he will draw you such that you will grow continuously in holiness and in union with him, your dearest friend. And then, one day, when you are called to render an account, you can rest assured that you will hear those same words from him. Friend, go up higher. Amen. In the name of the Father, and in the Son, and in the Holy Ghost.